to set up the book of Acts, uh, we, we've done it the la- uh, two weeks ago, and then last week we, we talked a little bit about it, but I'm going to continue to set it up a little bit until we get in the groove of what Acts was about. And so the, the book of Acts, Luke wrote the book of Acts. Luke wrote the book of Luke, and the sequel to Luke would be Acts. So part two of, of the writing of Luke is Luke, and then Acts is the second. It's a follow-up work. Acts is the follow-up work to Luke. And if you look in Luke and at the beginning of Acts, Luke is writing to Theophilus. And the name Theophilus means the lover of God or loved by God. And so you can get in all sorts of theological and and Bible studies about who Theophilus was. Was he a powerful ruler? What was he? His name means lover of God. And so automatically from that, we just have to glean that he was a a Christian man and some sort of authority in, in, in the church or at least in government. And so Luke is writing the book of Acts to Theophilus. And he's, it's, a, it's his second part of Luke, and then Acts is what we're about. Luke was all about what Jesus did. So if you open your Bible and you, and you study the book of Luke, it's all about what Jesus did, how he lived, what he said. And then our follow-up to what we're in right now, which is Acts. Acts is about what the Holy Spirit continues to do through the church. So Luke, the first part, is all about Jesus and his life, how he lived, what he did. And then we get into the book of Acts, and this is what the Holy Spirit continues to do through the church. And I'm, I think it's, it's good to mention this as well. If you're reading the book of Acts, you're getting along, you're in the story, it's a great story, it's coming out, everything's wonderful, and then you get to verse chapter, or chapter 28 in Acts, and it just seems like you hit a wall, it ends. There's no conclusion to it. Out of nowhere, you're like, where's the pretty little bow to tie this up, Luke? I thought you were a literary genius. Where's it at? It's not there. And I think why it's, it's not there is because the story is you are now Acts 29. We are the continuation of the church. The church didn't just end. It continues. And Luke writes Luke, the story and life of Jesus. And he writes Act, how the Holy Spirit is moving through the church. And we get to verse tw- or chapter 28, and it ends, welcome to Acts 29, church. Our life, right now, the people, the body of Christ, the church, as we move And as we go about our days and spaces and places that we go, we continue to be the church. The Holy Spirit continues to move through us, guide us, take us into places that we've never been. I've never been into the year 2017 with with whichever candidate makes it, but I don't know how to be the church yet in 2017. I need the Holy Spirit to take us there. And you need the Holy Spirit to take us into the unknown. So this is the book of Acts. Verse 1 through 3 in the book of Acts, the ones that we covered last week, speeding our way through it, how about that, is what Jesus did and taught through the Holy Spirit about the kingdom of heaven. And so we highlighted some different words in in the first three verses, but it was this, it was all about what Jesus um, did and taught. Through the Holy Spirit, if you want to look at those verses, verses 1 through 3, what Jesus did and taught through the Holy Spirit, and at the very end of verse 3, he taught about the kingdom of heaven, and that's our role. Our role as we move through life is that through the Holy Spirit, we'll continually point, we'll teach and talk about the kingdom of heaven everywhere that we go. And that's what Jesus was doing. And we also see in the verse 3 verses that after the death 
burial and resurrection of Jesus that we read about in the end of, end of the book of Luke, Jesus appears to many, many people. And he taught many people about the kingdom of heaven. So I want to point to this. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verses 5 through 7. Paul is writing, and he says this about Jesus after his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, Paul writes, and he says that Jesus, he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom were still living uh, though some have fallen asleep. So you see that Jesus, the, the account of Jesus, that when people say that he rose from the dead, it wasn't just one or two people that said, yeah, I saw Jesus. And you were saying, no, you were just high on a lot of sugar from Halloween. It wasn't anything like that. Jesus appeared to over 500 people, to the apostles, to many people during this time. And there's eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can believe this story. It's backed up. Eyewitnesses, we can believe this story. And, and as Jesus is talking, and as, as Acts begins here, and Luke is writing about, we see that Jesus, he taught, he was led by the Holy Spirit, he talked about the kingdom of heaven, and you see that this powerful story is unfolding as we get into verse 4. So you ready to read verse 4? Verse 4 and 5, we're getting into it today. Here it is. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And while staying with them, we're talking Jesus, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Savior, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we look at at these two verses you got to put yourself in the setting of when this was written. As Luke was writing, and he was writing about the apostles, he was writing about the men and women that of during this time that did what? They just witnessed Jesus, who many of them walked with, saw him do many miracles, signs, and wonders, do incredible things. They started following him. They left their fishing nets. They gave their life to following Jesus. And they followed him to the point of death? Jesus dies. And they're confused. They're saying, I thought this was going to be the Messiah. You know, the one that comes in and kicks tails. And the one that's going to conquer. And that's the king that I was following. They're following this Jesus, but he dies? And so they walk around in confusion. And then there's rumors that he appeared to a couple women. Jesus, the one they watched die on the cross. There's rumors that he's alive. And pretty soon, they begin to see with their own eyes that Jesus is alive. And if you're like doubting Thomas or doubting Aaron, Jesus even lets you put his hand, your hand in his nails and say, look, it's me in the flesh. It's Jesus. And so you got to put yourself in this setting as the early church because we read verses 1 through 3, and we kind of get the warm-up into Acts. But then we get to verse 4, and Jesus is basically saying, Listen, you apostles, many of which are teenagers. How many of you are teenagers? How many of you have the energy that you used to have as teenagers? Okay, 
Is there a lot, Bill Jerky does, is there a lot of energy and passion and vigor and life that comes in your teenage years? I mean, there's stupidity, yes, but is there a lot of energy and passion and vigor? And so Jesus, his apostles, most of them are teenagers. He's saying, you know what? Whoa, whoa. Because I know we've been on this roller coaster. I know that you were following me. You thought I was going to conquer, but then I died. But then I appeared from the dead to you and many people. And whoa, you can imagine a room full of teenage people. You can imagine a room full of Jesus lovers and followers of Christ. When they have seen him in the flesh, they are ready to go. They're saying, I'm going to spread this word everywhere. Here I'm going. And Jesus is, is like, whoa, guys, slow down. And, and the apostles, I imagine, especially are saying, try to stop this. They have energy. They have passion. They have a story to tell, and they're going to go tell the world. They had just experienced the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus was like, hey, whoa, Nelly, <laughs> slow down. Hold your horses. Not yet. A lot of us didn't have a lot of patience in our teenage years, did we? If we knew something, we were ready to tackle it. We were ready to go for it. I'll just speak for myself. I didn't have a lot of patience in my teenage years. I continue to have problems with patience. But I have a lot more than I did when I was 19. And I think Jesus looking into this says, slow down, because here's the deal. Don't go it alone. He is ultimate wisdom, and he's looking at the apostles. He knows that they're excited. They're going to go conquer the world and save the entire world. And he knows that. And he says, don't go alone. Don't do it alone. You're going to get picked off. Church, listen up. This is huge. I hit this this week in my studies, and I'm just like, oh, Dear God, this is beautiful. What's the Great Commission? Go make disciples. Everyone knows the Great Commission, right? Go. And there's, there's more to the Great Commission, but that, that, that's the gist of it. Go. We know that, the Great Commission. How many places in the Bible do you see Jesus teaching us to stay? So we have the go theology, and right now we have the stay theology, and Jesus knows. He has ultimate wisdom. He's looking at teenagers full of life and vigor, ready to conquer the world and tell everything that they've seen, and some of them he knows is probably going to go on their own, going out over here, and just a lot of passion, tell them about Jesus. And so we see the Great Commission, which Jesus says go, but right here in these two verses, we see the stay, stay commission, and the stay commission is a great condition. Jesus is saying, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. You're going to go on your own if you go out. Church, can we just hit pause right now? And since this is the story of the church that continues to grow and move, how many of you are trying to do life on your own? On your own terms, without the Holy Spirit, without the prompting of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your life. How many of us are ready? We have life and vigor and we're going, but we're going it alone. This may be the first time you hear in church, whoa, Nelly, why don't you just sit for a little bit? Let's worry about the great condition of your heart before you worry about the great commission to go. That's good stuff, Aaron. Yeah, it is good stuff. (laughs) Satan knows the best tool is getting us too thin and too busy, chasing our own tails, eating our own people, Doing so much that we forget about being, 
Church, Satan will conquer us by our good works. Do you hear that? Satan will conquer us, the church, by our good works because we are full of life and vigor. But we do it alone, on our own will, with our own strength. We're not doing it as house churches and as part of the body, and we're definitely not doing it led by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Change happens in our own hearts first. Church, change happens in our own hearts first. Good intentions would have killed the followers of Christ if they left to Jerusalem too soon. Do you see that? Their good intentions would have killed them if they left for Jerusalem, but from Jerusalem too soon. Though they had good intentions, it was not time yet. Worry about the great condition of your heart before you worry about the great commission of going out and telling and making disciples. They would have been isolated on their own, and we know what isolation does. Isolation slowly begins to take you away from the body of Christ, take you away from truth, take you away from brothers and sisters that are going to love you and help you and be there for you, and you begin to feel guilty because now you've been away for so long that you're embarrassed to show back up in the story. Just keep playing it out in your life because I guarantee all of us have been through moments in our life where we have pulled ourselves away in isolation, maybe because of guilt, which leads to shame, maybe because of whatever, a thousand things that Satan will throw away, but his job is to pick us off one by one and to put us into isolation. When we're there, he's one. So if you're here today, hey, look around. You're not alone. Don't pretend like you're alone. Don't live your life like you're alone. Engage into the relationships around us because we are a people that have been forgiven of much, haven't we? Every single one of us has been forgiven of much. That means every single one of us will still continue to be forgiven of much. There's nothing that you've done said, thought, that should put you in isolation. Because that's the beginning of your death if you go there. How are we intentional? Are we waiting on God or are we going about in our own power? If we go about in our own power, we will be picked off. Or are we going about in His power? Now that's the church I want to be a part of. The church that moves forward in His power. Not my power, not your power, but his power. So open up the Bible to Isaiah chapter 32, verse 15. I wasn't mindful enough to get your page number in the blue Bible, so I apologize. But Isaiah chapter 32, 15 says this. Till the spirit is poured out on us from on high, and the desert becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field seems like a forest. It's, it's here, it's the Old Testament talking about the people of God and talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And the Holy Spirit is going to be so poured out on us, His church, that the Spirit is poured out on us from on high. God Himself begins to put Himself in us. And the deserts become, what? Fertile fields. And the fertile fields seem like a forest. Why? Because the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in our life. Did you like that verse? There's a whole lot more. Let me give you another one because this one's, this one's good as well. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32. I'm going to give you a minute to get there. Joel chapter 2, 
verses 28 through 32. This is important. These are promises that we get to think about and hang our hats on as Christians, as followers of Christ. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32. I didn't get the page numbers, I'm sorry. Does anyone have a blue Bible with it opened up to Joel? 523, thank you, Jacob. Man, you should be in a Bible drill. Anyone ever do those Bible drills? 522, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32. Are we all there? Hopefully you guys are all bringing your Bibles, and if you have it, just mark it up, because this is beautiful. Here we go. And afterwards, this is, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Are you listening, church? This is to us. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth. Amen. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. This is a great promise to us as the Holy Spirit comes and as God begins to direct our lives and lead us of all these beautiful things. And look at, I mean, it says here that your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see vision, and on and on. It's not by us, it's not by the man's might, but it's by the pouring of the Holy Spirit on our life. The same Spirit that Jesus walked with is the same Spirit that is in us. Why would we try to do life on our own terms and by our own strength and might? It will fail every time. But the power of the Holy Spirit, do you see some of the things that the Holy Spirit does when the Spirit is moving on our life? That's the church that I want to be a part of. His Spirit versus my talents. Which one do you think is going to win? Apart from him, I can do nothing. Yet sometimes, in our own lives, we're trying to leave Jerusalem too early. I call upon his power to be the strength and the wisdom in my life. And I call upon that same power for the life of church project. That we are a people not driven by our man-made philosophies or structures or even our relationships. But we're driven by the power of the Holy Spirit in everything that we do and say. Do you pray that over Church Project? Do you pray that over your life? Do you pray that over the words I, I utter on Sunday morning? Do you pray that over our church that we would continually go into the unknown led by the Holy Spirit? What a better prayer to pray over your church. So please do. Uh, we need the same spirit to take us into the unknown. We're, as, a, as a young church, we just celebrated five years. Can you believe that, Steve? Five years? Wow. Praise God. Like, we're continuing to do this. This is awesome. Um, we're, we're, we need the Holy Spirit to take us into the unknown. Let's look at Acts chapter, three, or chapter 1, verse 3, 4, 4, and 5. It says this. And while staying with them, Jesus... 
he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus shows up and he brings clarity. The word used for staying with them right now, the, word, the Greek word used for that, staying with them, means to dine together. And so Jesus is, what is he doing? He's staying with them. He's dining together with them. Whatever is going on out there, whatever you've heard out there, let's have some food and lock our eyes. The chaos of the world, Jesus shows up and he's what? He's staying there with them and he's going, whatever's going on out there, and he's saying that to us in our life, whatever's going on out there, let's, let's dine together and let's lock eyes. And so Jesus is spending time with people. He's loving them where they're at and he's saying, let's lock eyes. Jesus met them where they were at. Notice this. Jesus met him where they were at and was what they needed him to be at that time. Think about it. Jesus, in his resurrected body, he didn't need to eat, but yet he does. He locks eyes with people and he says, I'm going to stay with you right now because I know you need me to be this. I know that there's, there's chaos going on out there, and I know that you need me to be this in this form right now, speaking to where you're at, because you may be confused, you may not know, church, what's going on in your life and what's going on out there, but Jesus is there locking eyes with you. There's something symbolic in this temporal sustenance with eternal sustenance. You see this? Like they're seating, and what are they doing? They're eating. Temporal sustenance, like food. But they're sitting with the eternal sustenance. They're sitting with God Almighty. And so they have this, 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 this two little forms here of temporal and eternal. And Jesus is locking eyes with them. And he's saying, I'm going to feed you on earth and I'm going to feed you in heaven. Like I am all inclusive. And he's locking eyes. He's meeting them right where they are at. There's this fancy little thing called mnemonic devices, and mnemonic devices are nothing more than techniques that we use to remember something. Mnemonic device. We have them all over, all around. You think about them in your life, you'll begin to notice them. Mnemonic devices are there to remind us of something. For example, in the Christian world, how many of you pray before you eat? Okay, don't raise your hand. Maybe you're like, oh, I should, okay. What is that? That's a mnemonic device that reminds you to be thankful for the food that you have and who Jesus is in your life and who God is. Like, it's there to remind you of something that's, that's huge. And I was thinking about this today. What, what things do we have in our lives as Christians that are mnemonic devices that we put in our path throughout the day and throughout the week that remind us of the greatness of God? My friend texted me back because I asked him that question. He said, well... Maybe in God we trust on the dollar bill. I'm like, yeah, but how many of you have read that recently? And it causes you to remember that, okay? I can almost void that out. I don't even remember that anymore. What about the crosses we wear? Well, they've turned into fashion statements, so I can move past that mnemonic device and not even notice it anymore. Like, we can, we can get numb to this. I'll tell you who's kicking our tail with mnemonic devices and remembering who their God is. Muslims. Three to five times a day, they sit purpose faced a certain direction and it's their device to remember to pray very rote i mean very very systematic and i don't need to get into that but they 
but they have three or five, five devices built in right away every day to remind them who God is in their life. Christians, what do we have in our life that remind us who God is every day? It's good to remember who God is. God says the world is without an excuse. We see God everywhere that we go. If not, go take a hike. As in, like, literally get on your feet and go for a hike. You will see the greatness of God just wherever you walk. What a great mnemonic device a sunrise is, right? We have, we have reason and purpose to praise God. And God has meeting his apostles and meeting the people right there. And he said, I'm going to eat with you because you need me to be here at this. And at, right now, church, wherever you're going, whatever you're going through, Jesus, God, is meeting you where you're at. And he's saying, are you paying attention? And are you remembering who I am and what I've done in your life? Psalms 103 verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Church, are we forgetting the benefits of God? Are we blessing God wherever we go? Or are we so anxious to go win the world and get to Jerusalem or get from Jerusalem right away that we're even forgetting the condition of our soul? Let's, uh, let's look at verse, verse 5 to wrap up. Uh, let's look at verse 4 and 5. Why not? And while staying, I would underline staying, and while staying with them, he ordered, I would underline order, them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to, I would underline wait, wait for the promises, I would underline, of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but, I would underline, you will be, it's an action, baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. A side note, we're going to have baptism here on November 13th. You will get an email this week on how to register it. We already have one person that's ready to get baptized. It is beautiful. If you have not been baptized, we're doing that November 13th. I would love to talk to you more about that later. That was a side note. But I had you underline things in these, in these two verses for specific reasons. I had you underline staying, ordered, wait of the Father, and you will be. That's an action. Think about this in your life. Are you staying? Are you listening to God as he orders your steps and he tells you what to do and, and gives you thoughts through the Holy Spirit? Are you waiting on the Holy Spirit in your life as the Father of the Father speaks to you? And as you go about your actions and said you will be, that's the action part of those two verses. Are you doing that in your life, church? Or are you so anxious that you're running, running ahead of God? running ahead of the Holy Spirit. Where is God asking you to stay and wait? Wait on his movement in your life. Because it's clear. There's the go great commission, but there's the stay commission as well. Where is God asking you to stay and wait? Not yet, he says, not yet. You're not yet ready. You'll go on your own if you do this too fast. You'll go on your own strength, not my strength. The Holy Spirit is not there yet. And that's what he's telling these apostles. If you go now, you're going on your own strength. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be so much better. So where is God asking you to stay and to wait on his movement in your life? 
what has God ordered of you? Where is he being not only your Savior, but your Lord? One that says, live your life the way I ordered you to live it. Where are you surrendering control of your life to God as he orders and gives commands? And are you waiting on God? Is your soul still? Are you listening, church? If we do these things, the Holy Spirit speaks to us in our actions, in our movements, in our goings, and even when to go. It took me a long time to realize, and I still have to remember this, this thing in my life. Don't mistake movement for growth. Don't mistake busyness for growth. The apostles couldn't go yet. He ordered them to stay and wait on God's timing, which was so much better. We're around because of that. So don't mistake just movement in your life as growth. God may be saying in this moment, you know what? You don't need to change everything. You might not need to change anything. You might need to just wait and listen to me for a while as I order your steps and I put the Holy Spirit movement in your life. That's a good word. A lot of us, when we think it's time to change and go and do and conquer, we act like teenagers, we're ready to go and, and, we, and we feel valiant in that. But I tell you what, the hardest thing ever is having healthy rhythms in our already life schedule. God already has given you a family, relationships, places to go, a job, circumstances, your own health. And how do we have healthy rhythms, mnemonic devices, remembering who God is, giving Him thanksgiving in our mundane day in and out, Monday through Friday, job that we're struggling through. Has God removed us from that or is He telling us to stay and wait? It's hard sometimes to hear the go. But I think it's harder sometimes to hear the stay. When we worry and we're concerned about the go, we can die, our hearts can die, because we're so worried about going instead of being. Church, I love you. I love what God is doing through Church Project, and I guarantee this. As our hearts are drawn closer to Him, we can go about our business wherever we go and be the church however He's calling us to do, led by His Holy Spirit, not by our own strength and might. That's the church I want to be a part of. How about you? These are powerful verses. I pray that you can go and digest them and talk about them, not in your house churches this week because we have First Wednesday, but you can begin to talk to them and, and move through it. Are you guys excited to keep going through the book of Acts? Oh, yeah, this is going to be good. All right, that's it. That's all I got. So why don't we do this? If you would, just close your Bibles and, and maybe even soften your heart and, and, and close your minds and begin to thank God, what are you asking of me? What are you doing in my life? How are you moving in my life? And, and just reflect on him for a moment. God, in this place, would, would you calm our hearts and minds and may we focus in on who you are. God, as I reflect on you and, and my relationship with you, where are you asking me to stay and to wait? 
to not leave Jerusalem yet, just, just to eat with you. God, would you give me patience and endurance to wait and to stay, to find you in the calmness and the stillness of who you are? Would you give me the maturity to not just jump and to run, even though good intentions, God, may I not move a muscle until your Holy Spirit prompts me to, until your voice gives me permission to. God, I pray over all of our lives that in this place, especially in this moment, that our souls would be still and we would wait on you. And God, where are you ordering my steps? Where are you giving specific directions and instructions and and tweaks and changings in my life? Where are you ordering my steps? It's been such a long time since I purposely asked that, God. I've been doing life repetitively on autopilot. I haven't stopped to worship, to remember, to, to focus in on you and to let you order my steps. So God, in this moment, would you order my steps? If I'm on a route that's on my own and and not something you're in, God, would you remove me from that route and let your Holy Spirit begin to speak to us right now? The places that we need to rearrange our life to be more in line with you. God, please give us the boldness and the courage to do that, to trust you in that to go even when we don't know what it's going to look like, to change things in our life so our life looks more like you. But may it only be done through your prompting, God. And God, I pray for all of us that when we know clearly what you're asking of us, that we would have the faith, the willingness, the obedience to follow you in your movement with our life no excuses that we would be madly in love with you we'd be intimately part of your ecclesia your church at large and God we'd be part of a movement that's unstoppable that's pushing back the gates of hell we don't stand idly by we don't passively live our life but we remember what grapes great depths we have been forgiven God and it's with that joy and hope we proclaim your message to the world at large God we vote because it's our right we do so and we vote with confidence led by your Holy Spirit and we're actively pushing back the gates of hell we go to our workspaces and places in school not just passively but actively pushing back the gates of hell as representatives as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven God, led by your Holy Spirit, I pray a fresh anointing and a power over the people of Church Project that it won't just be Sundays, it won't just be house churches, but it'll be every place and every space that we go led by your Holy Spirit. God, we call upon that. Please put things in our days to remember, to remind us of how powerful you are and what you called us to do and how powerful we are in you. God, as we've been gathering together this morning, we're so thankful to be here because of who you are. 
Church, I ask us right now, if you have a child in Project Kids, if you'd quickly and quietly go retrieve them and come back together so that as a family we can worship God. Part of worshiping Him is in song and praising who He is. Part of worshiping God is going to be through our tithe and offerings over here on your left, that box. Part of our praise and worship will be literally writing down a prayer request on the response card and putting it in the tithe box as well. Part of our praise and worship will be God asking God to guide your steps in this place, in this time. Maybe He's going to ask you to go pray with someone or for someone. Maybe God's going to prompt you to sit and to just stay. Maybe God's going to prompt you to stand. Or maybe God's going to prompt you to give your life to Him. There's people that love you and want to be a part of the movement of God together. So let's not be a sterile isolated environment let's move and let's each seek the holy spirit as to how we will worship him together in this place so let's stand and i'll pray for us god i pray that we are your church even this morning we move about this morning led by your holy spirit that god you get much praise and glory as we worship you this morning